For those of you that uh, are here all the time, you'll notice something a little bit different this morning. All the other pastors, the guys up on the stage set this up for them, I guess that I'm... That's okay. I got it, James. I got it. No, no problem. No problem. I, I realize sitting in the back that we have a lot of new people at Verde Valley Christian Church, and we, we really welcome you here. And that's one of the reasons for the meet and greet this afternoon. But also, uh, I want to introduce myself. My name is Doug Freeman, and I have the privilege of sharing today. I'm the administrative pastor at Verde Valley Christian Church, and if you want to find out what that means, come at 2 o'clock and I'll explain a little more about what that means being the administrative pastor here. I have the privilege again today of sharing the wrap-up, the fifth of our set free series, and the title for this morning's sermon is Free to Choose, and I've chosen Galatians 1, 5-1, I'm sorry, 5-1, which has been one of my life verses, interestingly enough, uh, and that says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Mankind yearns for freedom. In this country, over the past 215 years, 1.3 million people have died fighting for freedom. So the yearning in mankind is a big thing. Uh, Solomon, who said to be the wisest man ever born, said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has placed eternity into the hearts of man. God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. And I believe that since creation and the subsequent fall, every man and woman that have ever been born, every child that's ever born, is born separated from our holy God who created us because of our sin nature. We have inherited a sin nature from Adam and Eve from the fall going forward. And all of us have this longing for wholeness. We also call that freedom. We have a yearning I believe, to be restored to our created purpose of relationship with our Creator, to be set free from the bondage of sin and death. And the only place that we can find true, eternal peace, joy, and freedom is in that place that we are at no longer at enmity with God. We're reconciled to the God who created us. And we have freedom and we have peace and we have joy. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is that God had a plan for mankind. It wasn't plan B when Adam and Eve sinned. It was God's plan from the very beginning that he would step into this world, take on human flesh and blood. He would live a perfect, sinless life, and then be crucified there on the cross, taking our sin upon himself paying the price for us, we rightly deserve to be on the cross, but Christ went to the cross paying the price for us so that we could be restored to our created purpose of relationship with our creator, to be set free from the bondage of sin and death, to live in this world as children walking in the freedom that is only possible through Christ and him crucified. Again, Jesus said, I am the way. And the way I like to read that is, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. It is the only way that God has provided for us to have that true freedom. The gift of eternal life 
And the way to freedom is offered to all. But as the title of this message goes, we are free to choose whether or not we will embrace that freedom or reject that freedom. If you're a note taker, we'll jump right into our outline. And the first point of our outline is our freedom is a spiritual reality. Our freedom is a spiritual reality. We have been, and I'm going to look at three things in that Galatians 5.1, three points in that, in that first verse. We have been set free. It's a fact. It's a done deal. It's a spiritual reality. It's not merited. It's not earned. But we have been set free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. If, and it's a big if, if we by faith accept God's gift for us. That's a part that God has done, our redemption. He's got that plan in place for our redemption. So if by faith we accept this freedom, which is God's part, we can then choose to live our lives as his people who have been set free, okay? And we have a responsibility in that part of it, of walking in that freedom, accepting the gift, the free gift, the unmerited gift that God offers, and then we choose to walk in that freedom and to apply that freedom and to do those things within the context of how God defines that relationship with us. So again, we're set free to be in that covenant relationship with our God, and we're free, set free to function in that relationship as he designed it. And I think of a marriage example, which sometimes it's, it's easier for me to relate to stuff that is is that I live every day, okay? And I'm married, and I live in a marriage relationship every day. And, and so when we think about a marriage, we, 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 we go somewhere, and we get married, and we say, I do, and we sign a piece of paper that says we're married, and it's a done deal. It's a reality. We are married. But then, so we're in a covenant marriage. We're in that covenant relationship with, with a husband or, 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 or our wife. And, and then we have a decision to function in that relationship as we are supposed to or according to our vows or according to the promises that we have made. So we're married, but we have a choice on functioning in that relationship the way that we're supposed to, okay? So there's really kind of two parts to what I'm talking about today. And I thought about telling a joke at this point because I, I like to tell a joke because it, it it's, makes it easier for me. So And since it's all about me today... Uh, <laughs> I might go ahead and tell this joke, okay? And this joke is also a little bit of a test, okay? Here goes, okay? Don't throw anything at me until I get to the end, okay? This is from Reader's Digest, so it's PG, okay? So don't, don't get your off-color hackles up, okay? Lauren was lying in bed one night when she felt her husband's hand caressing her neck. Then it slid down her side, stopping at her knee which was as far as her husband could reach. Then he moved closer and did the same on the other side before abruptly stopping and moving away. Delighted by this unexpected attention, Lauren whispered, Honey, that was wonderful. Why did you stop? He answered, I found the remote. <laughs> now, did you let your mind go somewhere that it shouldn't have? You should. That's on you, not on me. Okay? That's on you, not on me. Okay? So moving forward with this same thought is our, our freedom is a spiritual reality. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law 
of sin and death. So we've been set free from the bondage of sin and death. And if you remember, if you were here for the other sermon, we've been set free from enslaving lies. That was the first, ser- first sermon. We've been set free to change. That was the second sermon. We've been, been set free from plan B. That was the third one. Set free from anxiety that Pastor Doug talked about last week. And today we're set free to choose. We're set free to respond both to God's gift of eternal life and to functioning in the relationship with him as he has designed it to be, okay? And so, again, we have the freedom to choose. So if you are here this morning, and I'm not making the assumption that this is a, that everybody is, well, obviously everybody's here this morning that I'm talking to because you're all here, but I'm not making the assumption that everyone here has made those decisions, Okay, so if you're here and you have confessed faith in Christ Jesus, you have been set free. Okay, it's a done deal. It's a finished thing. And you have been delivered from the bondage of sin and death. So positionally, just like the example with the marriage, positionally you have freedom. You've been set free in your covenant relationship with your creator. But listen carefully to this next part. Even though positionally you have been set free, there are many whose practice does not match their position. The way they function in the relationship does not match who they claim to be. They are not walking in the freedom that Christ has given them. Many, unfortunately, choose to disregard God's plan for walking in that freedom. Many have chosen, for instance, which this Galatians passage references, a performance-based relationship of Christ plus other things. In this one, they were talking about circumcision, that kind of thing, that they thought they had to do a bunch of other things to be in a right relationship with him. So many do choose to disregard God's plan for walking in that freedom, okay? And many, which this has been a, this has been a bone in my craw for many, many years, and I don't I don't get this, but, and it's not because I've got it figured out and I'm anywhere near what God wants me to be, but, but many claim Christ as Savior but are not living in the freedom of his Lordship. You cannot, Christ did not come just to be Savior. He came to be Savior and Lord, and Lord has the connotation that you are walking in the relationship according to the way he designed it. So we are free to choose that. He's given us that freedom, okay, to allow us to make those kind of decisions in that. He's fully equipped us to make the right decisions, but he allows us to make those decisions. Point two on your outline is our freedom is God's will. It's what he desires in us. The second part of that, Galatians 5.1 says, stand firm, therefore. Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. And so again, it tells us clearly in Scripture that God's desire is that none should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. That's God's will. That doesn't mean everybody will, but that's God's will, that none should perish, that all should should come to repentance and, and have that everlasting life. He's put that plan in place. It's a done deal, okay? And then the second thing it tells us here is this is God's will, your sanctification, And that sanctification is a big word for being set apart, being set free, being returned to your created purpose, okay? And I believe that that sanctification is, the Bible tells us, God's word tells us that we've been set free, that we've been sanctified. So it's a, part of it's a done deal, 
But it's also, we have to live a life of continuing to move forward in that spiritual maturity or Christ-likeness is another word for sanctification. And then finally, one day when we see him face-to-face, that process will be complete, okay? So there's really kind of two parts that we're talking about here. But the good part is, is that he gives us everything we need to live our lives into the, in that freedom that he's made possible, okay? But it's our part. And a quote says this, God never commands us to do something that he doesn't also equip us and empower us to do. Never. Never. He never asks us to do something that he doesn't equip us and empower us to do. That doesn't mean we're going to do it, but we can't say, I'm not, I don't have what it takes to do that, because we do have what it takes to do that. He's empowered us. He's equipped us to do that. Galatians 5.13 says, you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So again, his will His will, God's will, is our freedom. And by his Holy Spirit's empowering, we can stand firm in that freedom, okay? And again, God clearly has expressed his will for our freedom through Christ. So through Christ, we have the freedom. And in Christ, we walk in that freedom. He made the way for us. We have choices to make on how we function in that relationship again. So God's desire... God's will does not stop with our salvation. Did you know that? I hope that's not the first time you've ever heard that. God's desire, God's will does not stop with our salvation. That's not where it stops. That's not what his desire is. And this is, this is a term that's thrown me for years, but I love it. We serve a dissatisfied Savior. And this is what I mean by that. His desire is that we live our saved lives. We've been saved. We've been delivered from from the, the bondage of sin and death. But his desire is that we live our lives demonstrating his love to the world. And he will allow blessings and difficulties coming into our lives that move us ever forward towards spiritual maturity, ever forward in being more useful for his kingdom. He is never satisfied with our spiritual gr- growth, okay? And I don't, that we have to think of that in, in not necessarily a negative way, but he wants more for us than probably most of us, including myself, want for myself. Sometimes I slip to a point of saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay there. I'm kind of maybe, I'm maybe 50%, so maybe I'm okay there, you know. Christ wants us to be useful for his kingdom. He wants us to function in that relationship in a way that would bring him glory. So that's his will, that's his desire. Point three in our outline is our freedom can be forfeited. Our freedom in Christ can be forfeited. And the third part of that 5-1 passage says, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And even the way that that is stated means that it can happen. Do not submit again. Okay, so it can happen, okay, and it can, and you can call that whatever you want, but it can happen where we, we, you know, we, we go backwards instead of going forward in our, in our, uh, in our spiritual maturity. And so at this point, this is the point where human responsibility comes in and, and because we can choose disobedience and we can choose sin and we can choose to forfeit our freedom by, again, disregarding God's provision in our life for our freedom. We can choose to disregard that all day long. And that battle rages, and that battle rages within us and will rage within us 
until the time we step into seeing him face to face. I started to say step into eternity, but you know we're already in eternity? Did you know that? That's a weird concept to think. We already are, okay? We're just the ones that are locked into this time thing. But um, so that battle's going to continue. I don't know if you've ever heard the old, the old story about um, that we have two dogs that reside within us, okay? And, and, uh, and, and the one that you feed the most is the one that wins the fight, okay? And so two questions that are always good for accountability for us to ask is, what are you doing to feed your spirit? And what are you doing to feed your flesh? Because whichever one you're feeding the most is the one that's going to win that fight, okay? So that's a good thing to keep in mind. And Paul talks a whole bunch about this this old nature and the new nature, about putting off the old and putting on the new, of clothing ourselves with, a, with that new nature, a, a new creation in Christ Jesus, of continuing that process. So it is a process, okay? But again, we have, we have a choice. So the, the thing that, that is interesting is in this verse is when we pick back up the yoke of slavery to sin, we are basically choosing to discredit the work that Christ did on our behalf to give us the freedom that he desires, we're saying, no, thank you, or I'm not interested in, in, in what you've given me to, to, be, to be free. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. He's paid the price for that. He's equipped us. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and yet we choose to at times say, no, thanks. I'll do my own thing, okay? It goes on in Galatians there to ask the question, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So Paul's saying in, the, in that Galatian verse, he's saying, you, you were doing okay. You were, you, were, you were walking in the freedom of that relationship, you know, in, in my language. What the heck happened? You know, who, who, who disrailed you? Well, I think many times we like to blame others or, you know, the old flip wasn't thing, the devil made me do it kind of thing. But I think most of the time it's just plain and simply our flesh. It's just our flesh wins that fight, okay? And we choose to, we choose to blame it on someone else. But uh, again, it, when we take the position that we don't have to crucify the flesh, that we don't want to fight the battle, we're going to be hindered from walking in the relationship the way that God desires us to, to, to walk. We can be a child of the king, but we cannot act like it at all, okay? We can be a child of the king, but we can choose to live a life of disobedience, a life of rebellion. Here's a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, The Christian gospel is a message of freedom through grace, and we must stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. But what shall we do with our freedom? The Apostle Paul grieved that some of the believers of his day took advantage of their freedom and indulged the flesh in the name of Christian liberty. And listen to this final the final phrase, they threw off discipline, scorned obedience, and made gods of their own bellies. So there's a pretty good clue in there if you put on your detective hat, what are two things that are very, very, very important? Well, discipline and obedience. We can't choose to, to disregard or scorn obedience and throwing off discipline, okay? That's where we get into trouble. And again, in Galatians 5.17, it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. In this life, we will always have our old sin nature, okay? That old sin nature 
as Christ clearly explained, Paul talks about in Galatians 2.20, we have to crucify the flesh. We have to pick up our cross daily. We have to crucify our flesh daily. That battle is not going to go away. It does get easier the more we walk in obedience to doing that, it becomes a little bit easier every time because we're responding to God's spirit, speaking into our hearts about things we should be doing, things we shouldn't be doing. And, and when we walk in obedience to those things, his, at least in my experience, his, his, not his audible voice, but his voice becomes much more easy to recognize. Doug, that's really not where you should go with this. That's really not a behavior that, that, that is representing me well. So um, again, it's a daily battle. Another quote by William Barclay says, Christian freedom does not mean being free to do as we like. It means being free to do as we ought. Okay? And that's kind of life in general, you know? Uh, unfortunately, our society today is running wild with doing as they like instead of doing as they ought, and that should not be said of God's people. So we can choose to forfeit our freedom. Point four in your outline is choose freedom as a bond servant. And I got, I got, I came across that in, in preparing this study about a bond servant. It had been a long time since I had talked about what, what a bond servant is and, and what that looks like. And, and, uh, um, Let's look into it a little bit. And here's, here's the thing. We, we all worship and we're all slaves to something or someone. That's just a fact of, of human nature. We all worship and are all slaves to something or someone. It tells us in Romans chapter 6, but thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Exchanged one for the other. It exchanged a God-pleasing, a God-honoring way of walking in freedom versus one that's not. Okay? And then it shows us that one of the coolest scriptures that, that, that we see is in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, where Jesus is a bondservant. And Jesus is the supreme example of what a bondservant is. It says there in, again, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, have this attitude in yourselves which, also in Christ, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man. Here's the two key characteristics of a bondservant. He humbled himself... By becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. So Jesus, the bondservant, was humble and he was obedient. We see th throughout the New Testament uh, many, many examples of bondservants. Peter, Paul, and Mary, not the folk band of the 60s, which most of you probably weren't even alive, but, but Peter, Paul, and Mary, the, the Peter and Paul, the apostles, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, called themselves bondservants. Uh, John, James, and Jude, the three J's, they called themselves bondservants. Those were, those were a, a, a title of honor describing their character traits and their devotion to Christ. Revelation 22, this was a new one for me, Revelation 22 describes bondservants before the throne 
in the new heavens, before God's throne in the new heavens and the new, new earth, with his name on their foreheads. They were called bond servants. So if you're against tattoos, you're going to have one one day right on your forehead. So um, just, a, just a rabbit trail to go on. So let's look real quick. At, I'm going to read this to you out of, out of a passage out of Deuteronomy. We, you can find in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and Exodus 21, the Old Testament passages that describe what a bondservant was, okay? And I'm going to read this to you. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your winepress. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God remembered you, or redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. And here's the bondservant. But if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household, since he is well off with you, then you shall take an awl, you know, the little sharp instrument, then you shall take an awl and put it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your slave forever. That was the mark of a bondservant, a pierced ear that marked him as a bondservant. But it really wasn't the mark. The mark had not very much to do with it at all. It was a visible mark as a bondservant, okay, but, but his ear was, was, was pierced. I saw this tattoo recently, which is Galatians 5.1, free man in Christ. That's a Galatians 5.1 tattoo that I saw just recently. Um, so moving on, it's just a mark, but what it was, it was a lifetime commitment. It was a lifetime commitment this, this man or woman was making. It was a commitment that demonstrated the servant's deep love and affection for his master and his unwavering desire to serve him. There was no termination date short of death, Okay. It ended, the agreement ended when he died. And it was understood by the bondservant that he was declaring his total allegiance to his master. He was also giving up all of his personal rights and privileges to become a bondservant. He was demonstrating a burning desire by the mark that he took to be identified with his master. He was being identified with his master. And what we see is we see the bondservant demonstrating qualities such as diligence. He understood that his calling was to fulfill his master's work. It took courage. He was willing to face adversity in, in accomplishing the task set before him. He had to be humble. He had to understand his position of submission before a loving and caring master. He had to be demonstrate dependence, trusting the master to provide everything that he needed. He was identifying again, having the character marks more than the ear piercing, having the character marks that would represent his master well. well. And then also a single-mindedness. He was single-minded, focusing his priorities on those priorities of his master. So that bond servant was serving in the freedom that his master had given him. He was walking in the freedom. He'd been set free, but he was walking in the freedom. He was set free, but choosing to be a bondservant. Those, those, those verses back in Deuteronomy about the bondservants, he says, he will not go out from you because he loves you. Okay, so, so that's what God is calling us to, that we, we want to serve him because we love him and your household. We love God's people. 
okay, since it is well, it is well off with him. He blesses us and his provision is with us and he's blessing us in that, okay? So those were, those were demonstrations of the bondservant making that commitment. It also tells us, you can look up later if you want in, in the book, because we're running out of time, in the book of Galatians there, chapter 522, the fruit of the spirit, I believe, are also represent, well represent the characteristics of a bondservant. Someone serving Christ in the freedom that we have, we will demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. So, to close, we have been set free for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Our freedom is a spiritual reality. Our freedom is God's will. Our freedom can be forfeited and choose freedom as Christ's bondservant. And I'll finish with a couple other scriptures. Here's a challenge for you all today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, you were bought with a price, a precious price paid by Christ. Do not become slaves to men, but to Christ. Become a bondservant. And then a scripture to hopefully encourage you, because this is, I don't pretend to, to, to tell you that the, the life walking in the freedom that God has given us is all roses because there's some difficulties that we face in life. But we need to be encouraged and take encouragement because of who we're serving and the provision that he's making for us. So Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't grow weary and lose heart. Stay in the race. Stay in the freedom that Christ has given you. And then I want to say this for, for those of you that are here today that might never have made a decision to accept the offer of freedom that Christ offers you. And this is a quote from Martin Luther. And it says this, either sin is with you, lying on your shoulders, or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, if it is lying on your back, you are lost. But if it is resting on Christ, you are free and you will be saved. Now choose what you want. Again, we have the ability to choose. And if you've never, again, if you've never said yes to that freedom, Maybe today's the day that God's Spirit is speaking to your heart in that. We'll have a prayer team up here at the end. And talk to them about that. Ask them questions. Uh, today might be the day that you would make that decision. And maybe you're here today and you're just flat defeated. Maybe you're, you've accepted the gift that Christ has in freedom and yet your life, you're living a life of, of defeat. You're not walking in the freedom that Christ offers to us. Let people pray for you. Talk to the prayer team about that. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Choose freedom. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we thank you that, um, that you love us. We thank you for the, the plan that you've made for our redemption of sending Christ to die for us, of making a way that we could be set back uh, in relationship with you. Father, what you desire 
Father, and deep down, what all of us desire is the freedom that comes from being restored to our created purpose. We thank you for that, Father. Lord, and we pray that you would uh, continue to fulfill the promises you've given us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you'll strengthen us and encourage us, that you'll walk with us, uh, that you'll be with us every step of the way as we uh, rejoice in blessings and as we face challenges and difficulties in our life, that you will be there with us, and we thank you for that. So, Father, we, we give you our hearts, and we ask that you would uh, work your miracles in and through us, in Jesus' name, amen. So, again, I'll remind you, we have a prayer team over here. Don't be afraid to go over and have them pray for you. Meet and greet today at 2, and next week we're starting a new sermon series called I Am a Servant, so join us for that. Thank you.